wrestling with purpose? What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time. Life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great, and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind. And something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up. Someone who rose to fix me up. Someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. Good morning, church. Man, here we are, first Sunday of 2019. I am so glad that you're here to celebrate our risen Savior, who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Is he not, church? He's blessed us in so many ways. We've come together as a family of God to lift his name up in praise this morning, to gather around the Lord's table and remember his sacrifice for us. We'll dig into his word here in just a moment to discover how we're called to live this life of following Jesus Christ. What a blessing we have in that risen Savior. Thanks for being here today, and we want to say a welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us, being a part of our time together. We're truly glad that you're here. Our hope would be maybe this is the first of the year you're looking for a church home. We'd love for you to think about Crosspoint being that place you could call home and help us tell the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. We all have been gifted in different ways, and we use all of those gift sets to come together to tell the world around us that story of hope that is Jesus Christ, and we'd love for you to join us in that effort, not only right here in Grand Prix, in the metro, but around the world as well. Lots of opportunity to get involved in sharing that message of hope. This morning, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37, and so if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to get those Bibles out, turn to Genesis chapter 37, and we'll be there in just a few moments, all of our texts will be on the screen as well. This morning, we're introducing not only the sermon series over the next five or six weeks, but also the theme that we have for the year, which is overcome. Because what we know as followers of Jesus Christ is that Jesus has overcome everything. He's overcome even death. And so you and I, who are found in him, who are followers of Jesus Christ, are also reminded that we too, can overcome every hurdle in our life because of Jesus Christ. It's so important, church, that you, you amen that in your life, that you let people know that you are a follower of the risen Savior. And because of that, you can overcome all things. 
uh, as a kind of a testimony for you throughout the course of the year. And maybe you want to help your friends and encourage them a little bit. Uh, as you exit this, uh, this morning, back at the doors on either side, we've got wristbands uh, back there that you can pick up, put on, wear all year long, put it in a place where you can see it and be reminded. They say, you can overcome. They're in red to remind you the blood of Jesus makes that possible. Uh, and so grab one or ten of those, however many you need to let others know and share those around your uh, family, friends, and neighborhood. Uh, we'd love for you to, to let that message be known this year that you can overcome because of Jesus Christ. But in each and every one of our stories, there, there's always something holding us back. For, from everything to become everything that God has designed us and created us, to be. There's always something going on in our life holding us back. And so that's the question we start with this morning is what is holding you back? And maybe as we turn into this new year, maybe it's your finances. And maybe you're in some credit card debt. Maybe you've made some poor choices financially along the way. And you're just up to your neck. And you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know how you're going to get out of this mess that you put yourself in. It's, it's just not a pleasant experience. It's the one thing holding you back from truly experiencing life, how you believe God's called you to live out. Maybe, maybe it's relationally, and you've hung on to some bitterness, maybe, that you've gathered along the way because someone didn't treat you right along the way, and, and you've kind of hung on to that, and so that's the thing holding you back, that you don't trust folks around you anymore. Maybe you're not letting go of something that you should have years ago, and so that's the thing holding you back to being everything that God created you to be. Maybe it's your workplace. And maybe, maybe you and your boss just don't get along. There's no upward mobility. You seem to try to be doing everything that, that's been asked of you, but there's not a raise in sight. When, when you think you put in the time and the work, someone else gets the promotion. And so your workplace, your career, might be the thing that's holding you back from being everything that God created you to be. Maybe spiritually. Maybe spiritually in your own life, you're, you're not forgiving yourself, although God's forgiven you. So you're not able to, to remove the guilt and move on and forward in your life like God's calling you to do. Or maybe, maybe you've just decided to live a selfish kind of lifestyle and it's all about you. And you don't yet realize that that's the one thing that's holding you back. For being everything that God wants you to be. And so this morning as we dig into these next few weeks of the life of Joseph in, in uh, Genesis. That's the question we want to ask ourselves continually is what's holding me back? If I'm honest with myself, what's the thing that I need to let go of in order for God to fully be implemented in my life? And for me to move forward in the story that he has for me. What is holding me back? And so over these next few weeks, I want to encourage you to read Genesis chapter 37 through 50. Now that sounds like a lot of material. It's the life of Joseph. But read those chapters every week before we come back together on Sunday because it's going to help you better understand the life that God had planned for Joseph. It's also going to give you an opportunity to insert yourself in the story and ask, how does this apply to me? What do I need to take away from this story? What's God trying to tell me in these next few weeks as we unpack the story of Joseph and God in Genesis 37 through 50. Because what we find as we look in the story of Joseph, that it's a moment where Joseph, although life is kind of thrown at him 
in chaos and shambles along the way, he still overcomes. And he only overcomes because he has bought into the vision that God has for him in his life. Even when difficulty comes, when there are mountains to climb, when there are valleys to be walked through, when things just don't seem to be going your way, Joseph never let go of his relationship with God. He leaned into the story that God was calling him into. And so you and I today can do the same exact thing no matter what is going on in your life. That God wants some very special things for you in your life. That he wants to bless you more than you ever could possibly imagine. He loves you more than anything else. And church, we can say amen to that. He does love you. And he expressed that in his son, Jesus Christ. As we start this story in the unpacking of the life of Joseph... There are three truths about this story that I want you to take home with you today. You can turn your bulletin over and on the very back are some notes you can follow along with or on the app, the notes exist as well. But it's a great opportunity for us to lean into some truths that applied to Joseph, but also apply to us today as we live our life out as followers of Jesus Christ, people who are living out the story of God in our life. How does God want me to interact with the world around me and what the world is doing to me. Because we'll discover along the way that, that Joseph had some overcoming to do. He, he, had to, he had to overcome the dislike of some people. He had to overcome some hurt. He had to overcome disappointment in life. He had to overcome false accusation. He had to overcome his own success. And ultimately, you and I can lean into those stories deeply. Because we find ourselves there maybe right now, maybe in the past, maybe in the future. But there are moments that you and I can lean into and better understand how God's called us to live our life together. And the first truth is this. Trust what God says about you and not what others say. So incredibly important, church, that we hear the voice of God and who he calls us to be. And not lean into what other people might say about us on our journey. We look at our text, which will begin in chapter 37, beginning in verse 2. This is the account of Jacob and his family. Now understand, Jacob in our story right here will become Israel. Israel is the father of 12 boys who will become the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob made a special gift for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word of him. Well, we've got a little dysfunction in our family here. And if you're like me, that might sound a little familiar. You might think, eh, might be my house, I don't know. 
You see, Joseph likes tattling on his brothers. Now, he's young enough, 17. He hasn't quite matured yet. He's trying to kind of figure out who he is in life. He's got 10 older brothers that clearly do not like him. Their mother is different than Joseph's mother, and so they don't really get along. On top of that, dad has kind of elevated him to the favorite. He's child number 11, but he's the favorite in all of the house. And so Joseph seems to take some pleasure in tattling on his brothers. He's letting dad know what they're doing wrong and what they should be doing. He's the little informer in the house. Anybody got one of those, the little informer in the house? Oh, big hand up over here. As she looked at somebody. You know, I grew up with two younger brothers. This picture is from uh, this past Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm four and a half years older than my youngest brother, who's on the left, and two years older than the other guy on the other side of me. And um, I'm just out of the three. I mean, don't I, I look pretty young? Don't have those three guys? I don't. But you know, growing up in a very conservative preacher's home, we got into a lot of trouble. Now, being the firstborn, I was a rule follower, and I was kind of like Joseph. I didn't mind telling on those two guys because it meant they got in trouble. And I wasn't really concerned about their well-being in the moment. No, I just enjoyed that they were getting in trouble. It was fun. So you go tell dad what they were doing or saying, and you, you might get lucky enough that if you listen closely, you could hear the belt. It was great. I mean, we grew up in a home and in an age where there wasn't time out. I mean, dad would take time out of his day to blister our rear ends. That was the only time out. So telling on the boys, telling on my brothers was a lot of fun. But it's clear in our passage that Joseph and his brothers, man, they just, they just didn't get along. And we're going to find out here in a moment that Joseph gets a couple of dreams from God. And Joseph takes it initially a different way. God didn't give him the dreams to feed his ego. God wanted him to see what kind of man he was going to become. And the type of impact he was going to have not only on his own family, not only his extended family, but the known world at the time. But Joseph is young. He doesn't quite understand that yet. The message is about what Joseph is going to become. And all Joseph can do is let his brothers know what the dreams mean to him. How he feels about those dreams. And if you're like me growing up, you've got a lot of conflict as far as people telling you things. You might have some, some empowering words, some affirming words, some loving words come your way to kind of build you up, but there were always people in your life growing up who always wanted to tear you down too, right? You had both of those kind of voices going on in your life. There is this rule out called the early often rule, and it really says this idea that Early on in life, what's told to you most often is going to help move you in a direction, one way or the other. It carries a lot of weight, what people say, early on in your life. And church, that's why it's important for each and every one of us to lean into what God says we are, who God says we are, Amen. to listen to His voice and not worry about what other people say you are, because God has already spoken. And his word is firm. 
I mean, what does Jesus say to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 15? He says to his disciples, but he also says to us today, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And if that's not underlined in your Bible, it needs to be. Such a powerful message from God, reminding you that you're family. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. And we're part of the family. Can you imagine if we truly wrapped our hands around that idea, how it would impact your life? What a difference that would make in your life, letting God's words impact you. Joseph heard voices from from both sides, bringing him down, building him up with his dad. But there are those voices that are always close to us in life that can redirect and move us in a direction, especially when we're young. I remember living in, uh, on Signal Mountain, Tennessee, when I was in the fourth and fifth grade, and we would go an hour before Sunday night church began. That was back in the day when s- Sunday nights were, you know, church. So you'd show up an hour before, and we had this thing called Timothy class. Anybody remember a Timothy class? Got a few from the older generation in here. But you'd show up, and as a young man, there would be older men in the congregation who would train you in how to lead a public prayer, how to serve at the Lord's table, how to, they'd help you prepare maybe a small sermonette that you would deliver at some point down the pike. They, they would share with you and encourage you in those elements. And I remember those men in my life who in the fourth and fifth grade, a very young age, even when it was terrible, they told me I did a great job. They said, you keep on keeping on. You're doing a great job. Come on back next week. We'll do it again. And those men really poured into me. I've told this story before, too. When I lived in Glenwood, Arkansas, there was a man named uh, Mr. Archie. uh, And every uh, Sunday morning out in the common area before church began, I was in the seventh grade. He would see me in the commons. And this is such a formative time in a young man's life, seventh and eighth grade. He would he'd walk up to me, all smiles, his hand out. He'd look me dead in the eye and he'd say, good morning, genius. How's it going, handsome? And those words meant everything to me. I would seek him out every Sunday. He would ask me how my week at school was and how things were going. He was building me up. And you've had those people in your life too. Those voices that were impactful for you and moved you in the right direction. But sometimes we do have those negative voices in our life and we're reminded that you and I as followers of Christ have to lean into who God has called us and not what other people think of us. That's so important. The second truth is this, that we're called to leverage our influence for kingdom impact and not for personal gain. That our lives, church, we are created to bring God glory. End of story. We're not called to get a bigger house or another car in the driveway or earn more money. While those things make us comfortable and it's, not, it's okay to do those things, understand that we're created to bring God glory. That's it. So whatever is going on in our life, we leverage that for kingdom impact. Our guy Joseph, he's still learning some of that along the way. And our story continues in verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. 
We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Joseph is a young man and still not really understanding the dreams that God is laying on his mind. And so Joseph shares those dreams. Big mistake. Family doesn't want to hear it. They don't think it's too awesome, although Joseph thinks it's pretty awesome. You can just see his ten brothers as he reveals this dream. And he's wearing all the expensive clothes that dad's given him. And he expresses the dream and turns to walk away. And you can see the eye roll from the older brothers, the ten olders. But he doesn't learn. And in verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it, didn't, didn't learn the first time. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. He's letting them know, hey, I got, I got big plans. God's got big plans for me. You're involved in those plans, but it doesn't look good for you. It's going to look great for me. What I see in this moment, though, is a young man, the eleventh child, the eleventh boy in the family, who's struggling with a couple of different areas. Pride could be one of those. Insecurity seems to be probably where he's really leaning. Joseph, the 11th son, hated by the other 10 brothers. His mother died at an early age. And so he's kind of alone in this moment. And he's, he's getting some affirmation from dad. And so he wants to elevate himself. And so we see kind of this insecure young man in our story. What Joseph didn't see in the dreams was that God was trying to reveal to him how he was going to impact other people. You see, the spotlight is never about ourselves. It's always about other people when we follow God. It's never about self-elevation, but it's about blessing those who are around us. And hear this, church. God has a vision for you. It's very simple. It's not difficult to understand. Hard to live out. Here it is. God's called us, his vision for us, his dream for us is that we would love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we would love other people just like we love ourselves. That's it. Hard to do, easy to understand. It's less about you getting applause and more about you blessing other people. That's the call into discipleship. That's the call into following Jesus Christ. And there are some tough times that we're going to discover in the weeks uh, to come as we go through this story of Joseph. There is some rough moments. There are some obstacles that we're going to have to overcome along the way. There's some things that Joseph is going to have to overcome, and he's going to teach us in the process of what that looks like, overcoming some obstacles that get in our way. Last fall, we, uh, the staff here at Crosspoint, we went to one of the breakout rooms at the mall in Arlington. Anybody ever done a breakout room in here? Some of us have. It's, it's interesting. You get an hour in this room. It's theme-based, and there's lots of stuff. We got, we got the room where there was a volcano going to explode in an hour. Now, for those that are not following, it wasn't a real volcano. Okay, just... So you're in this room, and they give you one 
one, uh, one, one clue, and then you have to work together to discover where the other clue is. There are obstacles to overcome. There are locks to undo. There are doors to open. Different things have to happen in the room in order for you to get out of the room before the door will unlock. It's kind of a scary deal. Now, I want to go on record here. I, I didn't help at all. I was no good at this game. Everyone else did their job. I just sat in a corner and prayed. I wasn't sure. I mean, as you can see, at the very end of our time, we had 58 seconds left before the, the volcano erupted. But there are some of you in this room who are going through a real-life game right now. And you're wondering where the clue is. How do I get out of here? How do I move through this particular moment? How do I get the door open? How do I see some daylight? What do I need to do to move forward in this story? I'm tired of being in this room. I'm tired of being locked down. I, I'm, try, I'm tired of feeling the pressure of the clock counting down. Some of us are in this real life game. But we understand in Joseph's story and so many other stories in God's word that if the destination is worth getting to, then the journey is worth taking. And dare I say, taking together, not alone. It's the family of God. Well, the last truth I want to talk about this morning from our text is this idea that we need to trust in God when the road seems long. Because if you're like me, there have been moments in your life where you thought, is this ever going to get over? Are we ever going to be done with this particular thing? How do I move forward and, and kind of get over this hurdle, overcome this obstacle? For some of us, there is great distances between the reality we're living in and the dream that we had at one time. There was a hope that we had, and we're just not there yet. We're still in this particular moment. But I will say this, that if you trust God, if you commit to Jesus Christ in your life, He is going to do some unbelievable things in your life. Things you never thought possible. He's faithful to you. He's asking you to be faithful to him, even in the valleys, even in the uh, obstacles that we encounter over time. And so Joseph just revealed his, his last dream. And in verse 10, it says, This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. The road may seem long at times, and there is no question that Joseph's brothers resented him, and for fair reasons. Joseph was a little prideful, a little arrogant in the presentation. He seems very flippant and not humble in his moment here in life as God reveals and my guess would be as we continue with our story in the weeks to come, I am absolutely certain that the words of his brothers and his dad played over and over and over again in his mind as he was sold into slavery, as he's falsely accused of rape, as he spends years in prison from that false accusation. And over and over and over again, it's a long road. But Joseph continues to trust in God. You see, that is a sign of spiritual maturity in our life as well. That no matter what's going on, no matter the difficulty in your life, you stick with God's plan. That you don't 
Don't walk away from Him. No matter what's happening, that you stay with the vision God has for you in your life. It takes perseverance and persistence, stick to When I was in the seventh grade in Glenwood, Arkansas, my dad one summer got a job for me. I was about 70 pounds in the seventh grade, and there was a farmer that went to our church by the name of Mr. Harding, and uh, I was supposed to go over and help them bale hay. So we had this pickup truck. We had a flatbed trailer. Somebody was on the trailer, and we walked behind the trailer. I think we got a nickel a bale or something like that. We stacked the hay on the trailer. Someone else stacked it up. And I cannot tell you how many times that day I said, I'm getting a college education. (laughs) Honorable work, but hard work. I'll promise you that. We stopped for lunch. We ate, and then we continued to pile hay onto uh, the trailer. And my hands, I can't even describe, they hurt so bad. It's like all the joints had been disconnected from picking up the bale, putting it on. Again, I weighed about 70 pounds, almost as much as the bales of hay. It was crazy. But I hurt. At the end of the day, I was ready to go home. So we get to the farm at the end of the day. Mr. Harding pulls the truck out. He begins backing the trailer in. And I said, Mr. Harding, what, what are we doing? He showed me the barn. He said, now we've got to put it up there on top of the barn. I just started crying. <laughs> no. Jesus, I thought you were my Savior. Get me out of here. But there are moments in your life when you're called to persevere on your journey as well. And you think you've seen light at the end of the tunnel. You're ready for the end of the day. And all of a sudden, the trailer is getting backed up to a barn that you didn't count on. And you're thinking, God, don't leave me. Metaphorically, some of you are like that. You're in that same spot right now in your life. God's calling you to persevere. He said, look, there's some obstacles in your life, but understand I've never left you. I won't leave you. Stick to the plan. Be faithful to me. I'm faithful to you. I'm not leaving you for any reason. And Paul reminds us as he writes that church, the church is in the Galatian area. In chapter 6, he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And Paul calls us to stay the course, to run the race, to fix our eyes on Jesus. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 3, the very famous and quotable text, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He'll show you the path. So God calls us to stick to the plan, to stay on the path, to know He hasn't left us, that we're not to leave Him either. We've all got dreams that we want fulfilled, and God will bless us in the process. This church has been around a long time. Some of you are fairly new to Cross Point and may not know that. But in the late 1800s, uh, groups of Christians got together to worship in house church kind of format. Around the turn of the century, uh, two different congregations kind of broke out from that. This happened nationally, the Christian Church and the Church of Christ. And in 1903, we became the Grand Prairie Church of Christ, 1903. We began to grow, and, and those men and women had a vision for what God wanted to do in this part of town where we were located. And so in 1944, after growth, they finally built a church at 4th and Church Street. 
and began to worship in that context. And in 1957, they built another building on Tarrant Road up by I-30. And then we joined with another group from Dalworth, and we became the Turnpike Church of Christ in 1971. And then we sold that property, and we bought this property and moved into this building in 2012. Church, we have been a congregation of believers here for 116 years. Now, what's the point in that story? All the way back in 1903, those believers had no idea that Crosspoint would be here today. But they were faithful to God's story. They lived out how God had called them to live in the moment, in their context, and we are being called that to imagine the legacy that each and every one of you are going to leave here in this place. This may be some shocking news, but you and I are not going to be here forever. (laughs) But there will be children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren who will be worshiping at this place. And you will have been part of that story because you were faithful to the dream that God placed on our heart. We can learn so much from Joseph. He overcame all kinds of obstacles in his life. And church, we can too through the help of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the ultimate overcomer. He overcame even death. And so you and I lean into his story knowing that I'm not leaving him. I'm not going anywhere because he's not left me. And no matter what is going on in my life, I'm not moving from a relationship with my God through Jesus Christ. How about you? We're going to lean into that story and we're going to get all the blessing that God has for us in 2019 and beyond. We can overcome because Jesus Christ has overcome. And so you and I, the call is this year that we lean into that story. No matter what's going on in your life, realize that God loves you. He has a plan for you. He's got you moving in the direction he wants you to go. But hang in there. If you're working through something, hang in there. He's not left you. As we sing this next song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. Uh, And my guess is as we move into this new year, there are some of us in this room who, who need to let go of something. You need to just leave it in 2018 so you can lean into the story God has ready for you this year. And so as we sing this song, go find one of our shepherd couples. Let them pray over you and for you. Let them remind you of God's grace, that you're not alone in this. The Holy Spirit is in you and your church family is with you. That Jesus Christ wants something very special for you. And this year is the year you and I are going to claim it. My prayer is the Holy Spirit will move you to do great and mighty things this year as we live out our lives for the glory of the one and only King, Jesus Christ. Let's stand and praise his name together.